This is Meditate and Conversate, a podcast for those invested in wellness and enlightenment. Interviews with experts in their fields and meditations that put theory into practice. Hosted by former news anchor, trauma-sensitive yoga teacher, and designated experience registered yoga teacher 500-hour Lindsay Berusi. This week's guest is Dr. Candida Maurer, a PhD in psychology who has spent 42 years honing expertise in hypnosis, dream work, energy medicine, and body awareness. She'll share her pioneering research at the University of Iowa in psychedelics for healing, as well as the power of dream analysis and hypnosis. Remember, if you like this podcast, to rate it and share it so others can find it too. Dr. Maurer, thank you so much for joining us on our first video podcast. I'm so honored that you took time. I'm so pleased to be here. It's really good to be invited. Now, I've heard a lot about your work because I have a friend who has done a lot of your spiritual coaching and I heard so much about you that I eventually had to look you up. And I love <laughs> the first thing that I read on your, on your site about you was this statement. You said access to the unconscious mind is what allows healing to occur. Now, after 40 some odd years of practicing everything from psychology to more of these modalities that dive below the conscious mind, how and when did you come to that important realization? Hmm. What a good question. It certainly started in grad school, but grad school was not a place where these kinds of things were supported. Um, but in spite of that, I did both my master's thesis and my dissertation in the use of hypnosis for pain control which was actually quite radical at the time. Nobody had done anything even remotely like that. And it, it was an interest of mine and it really honed my ability to use hypnosis in a variety of ways. And I was really glad that I was able to use that in a, a, you know, a, a relatively restricted environment. What does that look like? I've been hypnotized on stage, but <laughs> never in a place where I thought I could then heal. Uh, are you are you taking someone into um, their own life work, past life work? Is a lot of what I read about when I was younger. Mm -hmm. uh, both, both for sure. So hypnosis is actually really pleasant. Uh, it's a very pleasant experience when it's done correctly. And though difficult things can certainly surface, uh, in general, any practitioner who's really doing a good job is going to make sure that the person being hypnotized feels safe. It's very important that there's a sense of safety established before you go into all the, the difficult areas of anyone's life. So, I'm very careful about how I do this. Stage hypnosis is really not the way to go. Um, I didn't like it either. <laughs> um, the first thing I do with anybody is I help them find a place of safety within themselves. And we don't go any further until that sense of safety is well established. Now, 
you say that even though we understand our problems, um, understanding them alone uh, doesn't solve them. And so this is kind of the reasoning behind getting into that unconsciousness because uh, we're stuck. Like we, we know what's wrong, but we don't know how to get past that. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if you think about it, I'm, I'm really interested in neuroscience right now, too, and kind of how neuroscience is informing us about some of these deeper issues, um, especially about the unconscious mind. So, for instance, neuroscientists are now saying that 95 to 98 percent of the brain's energy is devoted to the unconscious. Well, that's huge, right? That's so big, it's almost impossible to even understand. So here I am talking out of my conscious mind. So maybe I've got 5% that's working right now. And all the rest of it is being devoted to keeping me alive, literally, right? Keeping the blood flowing, keeping the cells dividing, keeping nourishment moving through my body, um, keeping my skin working to protect me, et cetera, et cetera, right? Keeping me warm enough. And at, at the level of the unconscious mind, okay, here's where I'm at right now. I feel like the body is completely created by the unconscious mind. That if we get into the spiritual depths, what we understand is that, you know, this appearance realm that we're in right now, right, is is a marvelous, amazing, creative invention, but it is an invention at the deepest layer that we know of. And I think there's deeper layers that we don't know of scientifically, but at the deepest layer we know of, there's just a bunch of atoms, molecules, quarks, all of those kinds of subatomic particles. And essentially it's just energy, right? And it's zooming around in, what is mostly space. So really we are sitting here, we're mostly space. So how do we come into being? You know, how do we come into these bodies that we have? And, and right now my latest thinking about this, because I do a lot of work in this area with my own mind, is that, that the body is the expression of the unconscious mind on the physical plane. So for me, it's always about coming back into the body, recognizing that there are signals from the body that are showing us all kinds of things about ourselves and often really showing us where we're blocked. So whenever we have pain, for instance, um, and whenever I have pain, I look at, okay, what's going on really, right? Because yeah, I'm just going along my day and suddenly my knee hurts. And I'm going, okay, what, what just happened that is allowing my knee to go into this place of pain, this place of blockage, um, and really this place of contraction, right? So, so I really have started to look at contraction as being kind of the underlying movement that creates the body and also creates the sensations in the body. Very interesting. And <laughs> I, I know I just people, said a lot. <laughs> I think pain gets, well, yes, I had a lot of interesting points um, in there, but I think that people misunderstand pain as well. They label it as this bad thing 
but it's actually you on many levels, your inner self signaling that something is off balance. Something is out of homeostasis and needs to be brought back. That's exactly right. You're so absolutely right about that. And, you know, it's hard. I I have pain that I don't want to deal with. Who doesn't, right? We all do. And at the same time, it's really instructive to kind of look at where in your body that pain is located. So I'm very symbolically oriented, right? And I, I work with archetypes and symbols all the time. And the body is a great place to start. Right. If you just start looking at, okay, what does my knee mean, for instance, right? So the knee becomes, well, that's how we move forward. We have to be able to bend our legs and we move forward with our knees. So why am I contracting from moving forward in this moment? Those are the kinds of questions I ask of myself and I ask of clients too. Let's talk about this upcoming workshop you have on dream analysis, because this is where your passion really lies right now. At least we talked about that earlier. Tell us about dream analysis as a way to heal through that unconscious mind. Yeah, it's, um, that's not an easy question to answer. I'll go back to the symbolic meaning of things. Okay, so, um, hmm. Just today, I had a man tell me about a dream. And in this dream, one of the things that occurs, I'm, I'm going to try to get this right, is that, that he's in a house of, uh, that he's not familiar with. And there's a 10-year-old boy there who has a learning disability. And so immediately I'm thinking, hmm, what happened to you when you were 10 that you had trouble learning? And that's exactly the question that we ended up working with a great deal of our time together today. And that actually led to some discovery or some inquiry? It led to great discovery, yes. (laughs) Yeah, it led to all kinds of family issues that weren't ever resolved that um, in which there was a lack of boundaries in the family there was um, criticism in the family there was a sense of not being able to do things correctly enough so yeah it was a very helpful image to work with when you do things with archetypes and and this dream analysis, you say that's a very Jungian approach or a very Carl Jung approach. For those not super well-versed in psychology and psychotherapy, would you give us just a little um, mini lesson on what that approach looks like and why that's important? Yeah, I think I started to do that. It's okay. So everything in a dream, everything, every detail is being created by your unconscious mind. And it's very important to realize that in a dream, you might be dreaming about another human being, but really that other human being is a symbol for you of something going on inside of you. It is not that other person that you're actually dreaming about, oh, I'm going to say 99% of the time, at least 99%, maybe more. Most of our dreams are very personal and we're really trying to work things out with our own unconscious. Um, 
so it gets complicated because of course we dream about this man who we have some kind of a, a zing for, right? We think, oh, this man, he's so attractive and maybe he's dreaming about me right now too. And maybe he is, who knows, right? But what's really happening is you're dreaming about a masculine aspect of yourself. So you have to look at, well, what does this masculine aspect of myself actually look like? What does it represent? Um, and how is it acting in the dream? Because how it's acting in the dream is very much about my unconscious mind. Very interesting. Well, I can't it's, wait to do some of that dream work with you, hopefully sometime in the future. Okay. <laughs> had a lot to unpack, Dr. Maurer. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack. <laughs> there always is, right? Well, right. one of the very interesting things uh, about you is that you are the only person in Iowa certified in psychedelic therapy and research, was, which is really a, a field that's being pioneered right now. Will you tell us a little bit about that research at the University of Iowa and what's happening, uh, why that's yeah. important? Thank you for asking that question. I'm delighted to tell you about that. Um, and first, I want to tell you a little bit about the training. I was trained at the California Institute of Integral Medicine, not Integral Studies, sorry, in San Francisco. And they have a program that they started, I think it's five years ago now, in psychedelic medicine certification. And it's really the only program in the country. And I think there's only one other program in the world that is actually working toward, okay, how do we train these people to be certified to do this work? Because this is really subtle work and, and you, you need to be trained. You can't just jump in and think, well, I'm a therapist, I know what to do. It's not the same. It's not the same kind of work. And though it, there are many of the principles that we learn in psychology are certainly applicable, you have to be very sensitive to the state that this person is in because the state they're in is beyond anything that is really describable. So, so that's number one, okay. What the university is looking at, I'm so excited that they're open to this and looking at it. And this is being spearheaded by Dr. Peg Nopolis in the Department of Psychiatry. And she's the head of psychiatry. And um, what we're looking at is whether psychedelic medicine, um, particularly psilocybin, can be used for methamphetamine addiction. Nobody's ever done this before. There are a bunch of studies going on right now. I, this is hot, right? It's suddenly become sort of the new thing in, in psychiatry and how we help people heal. And, um, and that's terrific, it really is. But many of the studies are about depression, anxiety, smoking cessation, PTSD, et cetera. Nobody's looking very closely at um, methamphetamine addiction, which is a very hard addiction to break. So we're going to be looking at that and I'm really excited to see what happens. Me as well. You'll have to bring us up to date when that's all finished and tell us what you've you got. 
I have had friends in the past just because I am in a, you know, more of a yogi sort of community mm-hmm. who want to do these sort of psychedelic journeys with a, a shaman or, or something of that sort. When someone wants to do these in the, in the future, when, when this is a little bit more widespread, what kind of person would they be looking for to take them on a well-guided trip that's actually supposed to be healing um, in this sort of sense that we're talking about? What a great question. Uh, there, I'm reading about a lot of um, places that are not doing a good job with guiding people. They're in it for the money or they're in it for a power trip and it's not ethically or even effectively done. On the other hand, um, I am also hearing about a really good place in Costa Rica, the name of which I've totally forgotten. Um, but I, I think at this point, people have to go out of the country in order to legally do these substances. And okay, it's just the way it is right now. It's coming. I think legalization is going to happen within the next two to three years. My suspicion is, though, what that is going to mean is that it will be legalized in very, um, well, structured, let's use that way that were um, very structured ways. So it may require that an MD would be the person who prescribes it for you. And you know, we don't know yet. Oregon just legalized all plant medicines. And they are now looking at setting up clinics throughout the state in which people can receive treatment. I'm assuming and hoping they are looking for practitioners who have been trained to be reputable ethical guides. So it's it's a sticky issue. It's a sticky issue. Um, I would ask anybody who says they're going to guide a trip, like, well, what kind of training have you had? Where was this training? How long was this training? What happened during this training? Those are the kinds of questions you need to be asking. And I think too, how am I going to help integrate what's happened after the fact? I can't just have a totally life-altering experience and then be left alone to unpack it. (laughs) That's exactly correct. The person who is helping you should be able to help you integrate the next day. In fact, it's actually pretty important either immediately after the trip or the next day to spend time in integration work. Um, After that, you know, there's, it gets to be, again, it's kind of one of those really interesting situations in which there aren't any proscribed lines of how we do this. Um, Because really integration is really an ongoing issue for the rest of your life. that's just the truth. I'm still trying to integrate stuff from my childhood. I think everybody is working on integrating or on avoiding integration of, of things that are painful, difficult, etc. So I would say get in therapy afterwards, find somebody who actually can work with your dreams or work with hypnosis or work with your body in a way that allows you to access the unconscious material that's coming forward. 
Is there anything else you think people should know about this exciting realm that's coming out and, and, and coming forward um, for anybody who's interested in it? I'm sure, well, frankly, there's so much interest. It's just insane. I mean, really, there are a lot of people that want to try this and that are in deep need. And I don't think we can train people fast enough to do this work. It's, it's really important that this starts happening at a bigger level. Um, the MAPS Association, I don't know if you've heard of that. If people look on, on the MAPS site, they can find um, a lot of information about how their sessions are done and how people are trained. And it's really great. They've opened up their site. They've made a lot of information available that hasn't been available from other institutions. Um, the other thing that's happening is places like Johns Hopkins are really the center for a lot of this kind of research. So it's like NYU, Johns Hopkins, UCLA, you're going to see the same kinds of names over and over again. These major medical institutions are doing really good research in this area. So that's happening. And I'm very happy about it and very excited about it because it is being done carefully and ethically. Thank you for sharing that with us. And for anyone out there who wants to be able to see research, I think a good site is PubMed. You might need someone who yeah. is in medicine in order to get an account. Um, but yeah, that's one place to look into it. Yeah, no, PubMed is a great place to look. I agree. Now, you say that symptoms such as depression and anxiety surface to show us that we're out of alignment with our true self. And so on that note, I wanted to know, are these kind of the key symptoms that you've been seeing in clients in this kind of modern era? And, um, or, or are there other key things that you're seeing that kind of reflect where we are mm. as a society right now? Yeah, I would say depression, anxiety, and trauma. Those are the ones we see over and over again. Um, certainly there are other issues as well, but those are the three big ones. And what are they reflecting in our society? Uh, you know, in a way it's hard to tell, right? We certainly have seen an increase in depression. That, that's really clear. And an increase in anxiety. Um, every single day we are bombarded with information and we can't take it all in. We literally cannot take it all in. We don't know what to do with the kinds of information that's coming at us because much of it is scary information, right? We have COVID, we have war, we have the breakdown of democracy. I mean, all these kinds of thoughts are in the public domain and people are scared, right? At the same time, see, here's the hopeful thing from my perspective, and you're a yogini, you know, there are more and more people becoming interested in yoga, interested in meditation. I mean, it's a huge booming business now. And 30 years ago, it didn't exist as a business pretty much. So things are really changing at that level. We're trying to access deeper parts of ourselves in order to heal. And I see that as a mass movement. You know, we're becoming more conscious as a species. And that consciousness can certainly lead us into higher values, higher spiritual values. 
And I'm hoping that that happens more and more and more quickly. Yeah, and that's actually why I stuck around. I, I dealt a lot with anxiety, um, uncontrollable anxiety, and then come to see that it's as simple as, as meditating to have that <laughs> antidote to just go inward. Yeah, so exactly, valid. exactly. It is that simple and that difficult, right? Yeah, because oh, go ahead. Well, you're going to face yourself when you go into meditation, you're going to face aspects of the self that drive you nuts. Like your mind is just going to go, 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 go. And it's very hard to find the quiet places. And honestly, for myself, I have a very busy mind. I think everybody does. And it took me, oh gosh, months and months, if not years, to actually be able to settle into quiet. And that's hard to hang in for when you're in a bad place, right? Meditation is not an instantaneous cure. It can certainly help, but it's not going to take you there right away. And that's, that's the difficult part about meditation. I do think that yoga helps maybe in a way even more because now you're, you're almost meditating with the body, right? And you're hoping to establish a link and to your own embodiment that allows deeper contact with the unconscious mind. And so things begin to unwind, things begin to move and unravel in ways that they haven't because you haven't allowed your body to be in that state. So, you know, we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> Any last thoughts? Uh, anything that you think it's important, important for the world to hear at this point? Hmm. Yes. Try to figure out how to get grounded. And I mean, really get grounded. Try to figure out how to move energy through your body from the crown of your head all the way down through the central channel of your body. So the central channel, I don't know if you're familiar with that concept. Okay, I bet you are, right? The central channel is about a thumb wide. It starts right here. Well, it doesn't really start here. It starts in heaven, wherever that is. But our contact with it starts at the crown of the head. It goes straight down to the pelvis and then straight down into the earth. And it's really helpful to meditate on that central channel to actually bring your energy inward and downward. That kind of grounding allows us to face life without anxiety and it allows us to be in alignment with higher aspects of the self so i'm i'm hoping everybody might use that might take that central channel idea i think there are quite a few things online about central channel meditation go for it use it see what happens um, it's the place where all real change comes from. So if we want to talk about the unconscious mind, that's the most subtle aspect of our unconscious mind is the central channel. The most subtle aspect of the self is the central channel. And the more we contact it, the more we are 
in contact first with our higher self and also with our embodied self. And really, as a human being, that's our job. We are so appreciative of Dr. Candida Maurer taking time to share her expertise with us today. You can find more about her on her new site, candidamauer.com. If you like our podcast, if you think we're doing a good job, give us a good rating, share it, let other people know about it. We'll see you in two weeks. Take care.